Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Walking With You podcast. I'm your host, Greg Ressinger, and today I'm excited for you to hear from Dr. Dennis Easter, a certified life coach. Dennis Easter is a sought-after mentor, coach, and presenter. He has over five decades of helping leaders discover and live into their unique kingdom contribution. He is, a certi- he is certified with the International Coaching Federation. His doctoral thesis was empowered coaching, drawing out the best in those you lead, and developed a coaching network that served hundreds of leaders in Foursquare and created and taught coaching and mentoring course in the MASL at Life Pacific University. His knowledge is undergirded with the wisdom that only comes through seasons of life where one is faced with failure, pain, joy, and growth. His coaching capacity honed in the pastoral setting, the academic, and the institutional environments has shaped him to be a safe companion for those who are pursuing holiness without having to deny their humanity. Welcome, Dennis, to the podcast. It's great to to be with you. Great to have you today. Yeah. Thanks for joining in. I have to say, though, when you said five decades, I I had to check my pulse. I said, man, that's a long time for anything. (laughs) The good thing is we won't throw out ages necessarily. We'll just, people can count. I'm pretty sure they can get that figured out. I'm only 60. (laughs) I started young. Yes. In your diapers. Okay. (laughs) But uh, once again, thanks for being with us. And um, we're really just going to jump right in and to really begin to talk about life coaching and the dynamics of it, the charism of it, and really your history and what you have brought into that particular gift and story. And so can you share with us the story of how you entered into this world of life coaching? Was this something you were receiving from someone in a particular moment in your life that ignited something in you? Kind of how did how did you find your way into really five decades of walking alongside others? Yeah, now the coaching part came in the last couple of decades. Uh, where that was more formalized as a, a skill set and actually as an approach to doing life with others. Uh, but the five decades are shaped by a journey. When you look back, you start seeing you know, how the dots connect. Mm. And I remember early on in my ministry, there was just a natural inclination to wanting to help people discover and live into what God was calling them to be. And uh, so there was a pastoral sensitivity to that. And in fact, uh, where I started learning about coaching was, that's actually through my own experience. I was, I, I went on a ride with a young leader once. He wanted to connect with me, and I know it was kind of a mentoring moment for him. And we actually took a long drive through the desert. I don't know what we were doing, but, you know, we were in the desert, and we were driving around. And instead of just offering him counsel or advice, here's what I would do if I was in your place kind of stuff, I remember just starting to ask a series of questions. I actually, my mind thinks really systems-wise, so I I thought of all these different kinds of questions you could ask, say, how are you taking care of your body? How's your family doing? Uh, Tell me what you're learning about ministry. Um, How's your soul? I just started asking questions, and it was the first time that I had been in a mentoring experience where questions were the means by which to discover what God was doing in a person's life and what would be best for them. So it was really serendipity, you know, just kind of that stuff you discover. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a God moment when you look back, but in the middle of it, you're just going, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I did that. And then, of course, as you go along in ministry and the things that happen and when you're in educational environments and the like, you, you pick up on both trends that are happening 
in the, how people lead and how they learn and how they grow. And uh, part of the trend I saw in both uh, the educational world and particularly the business world was this concept of coaching. Uh, of course, whenever you hear the word coach, the first thing you think of is sports. Sure. And, you know, I remember how I was coached and uh, it wasn't, they didn't ask me a lot of questions unless they were asking me where my head was at on a certain play. Mm. But uh, it wasn't questions. It was, they were giving me direction. They were telling me what to do. Uh, in, in that sense, we've always thought of coaching in that kind of environment. But the coaching that I was discovering through business and education was a whole nother skill set that was so different from the way I had led. In fact, where it finally made connections to me as an intentional way of looking at life was I was with a group of leaders for dealing with some entrepreneurial people in the church, particularly those who were entrepreneurial about wanting to plant churches. Mm. And they had done a study on all these young leaders who had started churches, and five years later, they tried to say, well, what was the key to their success? Why did these guys succeed and those didn't? And the predominant reason was not funding. Uh, it wasn't uh, sponsorships. It was coaching, that they had somebody who walked it out with them, helping them to discover what needed to be discovered. So that was my first exploration into coaching in a kind of a semi-formal way and about how to deal with people without being an advice giver. And then, of course, that just piqued my interest. Mm. Uh, I think the, the, the big turn for me was when instead of just I read about coaching, I had been some slight orientation and training to coaching. But then I, I decided the best way to learn about coaching is to experience it. So I got my own personal coach and was walking through some very deep life issues. And uh, it was an amazing experience to be led on a discovery that uh, I have never experienced quite that way before. And then I know I had been infected then. Uh, you know, something inside of me said, oh, this is something I need to tend to in my life. So then I went on and did some actual formal training. Um, when I did my doctoral work, I developed a... a a training program that we field tested in all these different states, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line, it was it was a gradual discovery. And then when I really got my hands on it in terms of what or my heart and the head around it, that's when it became very intentional. And, and then it blossomed from there. And it became a very formational piece in all the leadership I did from that time on, which was not just pastoring but functioning as a bishop to hundreds of churches and literally thousands of leaders. So all of that became a, a new way of dealing in, in leadership and in um, caring for leaders. So it really became part of who you were. It sank in and it became just this way you <clears throat> envisioned or viewed or had perspective on, or it just was integrated into who you were over time. Yeah, and in fact, when you say it that way, it's probably good to think about coaching as, uh, well, I say there's three things to coaching. <clears throat> when you're dealing with coaching, that <clears throat> the three things are there's a mindset about coaching. In other words, <clears throat> get your mindset correct about when you're thinking about coaching, what are you thinking about? Um, and then there's what I call skill sets that you need in coaching. And then finally, there's what I call a toolkits kind of set of tools that you use. So <clears throat> let me just go back to the easiest way is to define coaching for us, because I think if we define it, that'll help us get somewhere with this, is coaching is defined by its practice 
and its results, its outcomes. And so the simplest definition I can think of for coaching is it's a series of intentional conversations that empower a person or group to fully live out their calling or what I've always referred to as their unique kingdom contribution. Mm. So, so when you said this got into the warp and woof of my life and my bones, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it really did. It changed everything about how I led and, and how I saw that I could help leaders discover not only who God wanted them to be, but a pathway, help them discover pathways to get there. Hmm. So those three things again. So sit, repeat those three things again. Mindset. Oh, yeah, there's a mindset. It's how you think about coaching. Okay. Uh, and, you know, so in other words, you know, it, it, it's sort of like when you think about the church, you can have a missional mindset or you can have an institutional mindset. And in other words, there's a way you look at reality. This is how I'm going to look at that thing. And once I understood what coaching was, it changed the way I viewed reality as a leader and as a mentor. Uh, let me give you some ideas of what I mean by a mindset. Uh, listen to these kind of characteristics. They come from the International Coaching Federation itself. Here's the kinds of things they'll say. Coaches don't talk. They listen. Mm. Coaches don't give information. They ask questions. Coaches don't offer ideas. They generate ideas from clients. Coaches don't share their story. Big deal is they tap into the experience of the client themselves. It's their story that matters. Coaches don't present solutions. Uh, they expand, rather, they, they want to expand the client's thinking about their life and how to deal with that. And coaches don't give recommendation, or they've learned how to, what I say, or as an author said, they tame the advice monster that's in them. And, and by doing so, they empower, they empower their clients to make choices about their life and direction. So that's what I mean by a mindset. You see, it shifts the whole responsibility back onto the person you're caring for. So when I'm coaching somebody, here's an easy uh, acronym to remember. Think of your ear and just the letters E-A-R. So, in, in, and I use the word ear because, you know, in coaching, you're listening all the time. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm helping to create expectation for this person that they can move into transformation in their life in ways they haven't thought before, that that they have more insight than they know. You know, it's, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. And coaching is a way of helping people to link into those kinds of answers and deep answers. Uh, <clears throat> but when I'm so, and I'm coaching this mindset with a person like this, I'm helping them to come to clarity about who they are and what they can be. Mm. That's rich. That's rich. So over the time that you've had in this field of coaching, what have you learned about coaching over the years with walking with people? Those three things are obviously, you know, concrete, something foundational that people can stand on and jump off of. But just from just the walking with others. What are some of the additional things you've learned along the way? Obviously, there's a uniqueness to each individual that you're coaching. And all of that, their stories, their narratives, how their story is unfolding. Um, what, did you, what, have, what have you learned about the kind of the, the sensitivity, the intricacies of walking with different and diverse people through their different and diverse seasons of their life? 
And the learning goes both ways, interestingly right. enough. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, the discovery a client makes becomes a discovery for you as well, going, wow, that's an aha moment. Mm-hmm. I know they're walking away with something, sure. but I'm taking that to the bank. Thank sure, you very sure, much. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about the journey. I'll just give you some kinds of things that come to my mind about that. Number one is um, the first thing I learned about coaching that was really a blessing to me as a leader was I didn't have to have all the answers. And I think most leaders or pastors or people who are responsible for others, that when people come to them, I mean, moms and dads, you know, particularly of adult children, uh, they, they feel like they've got to have an answer. They've got to have the solution. They've got to have, and there's, there's a lot of anxiety that goes into caring for people because, you know, they're going to come to you with questions. So if you, <laughs> you, sometimes you'll send them an email, hey, can you give me a heads up what this conversation is about? And what you're trying to do is load yourself up totally. to say, how do I prepare myself for what's about to happen? Amen. And then you hear what, the, what they're going to deal with. Man, you hit the internet. You're, good, you're looking for all this information. Why? <clears throat> because we've been used to giving answers and advice. How many times have you heard this? Somebody say this. If I were you, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Th- that it's got to be the worst counsel that you could ever offer anybody because they they are not, not you, you, right? And you are not them. Yeah. And and the answer for their situation isn't in your story. Now there may be some inspiration. Your story may link to theirs, and you might say, "Well, can, can I illustrate it with something that I went through?" But but the point is that the first thing you discover is that you have a lot less anxiety because you don't have to be the answer man. See, if I have a good process, a a good set of tools to ask the good questions, stay curious about this person's life, help them to make connections, to discover answers that are in them that they didn't even know they had, helping them to understand the things that block them from making good decisions, like what possibly could be standing in the way of you making a decision about you know whatever's in front of you, uh, and what are the obstacles that you're facing, and and they may come up with external ones, but then what's the internal ones that you mm, might be dealing with? Right. See, you know, when all of a sudden I walk into appointment not having to be an expert in that person's field of expertise. But really being good at listening, asking good questions, and helping them to come to clarity and a pathway forward to take action. That's the first thing. I would, if I had to start all over again, I would have started with finding the coaching skill early on in my ministry. Because all of my theological training at an undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral level essentially was about telling. Mm. It was about having the wisdom of the understanding, the arguments, the polemics for whatever I needed. But now I walk in and now all of a sudden this person is no longer a problem I need to solve. There's somebody I'm walking with in discernment and discovery of what it is they're really dealing with and how they can find a way through that into some kind of level of transformation. That's the first thing I learned. The pressure is off me. Yeah. And that changes everything. I, it, can you Well, you've had plenty of appointments, yeah, right? You've yeah, loaded up yeah, for. Sure. But what if you walk into an appointment and you don't? I don't have to have an answer? The answer is going to be sitting in the room with me, mm. and I just need to help them discover it. So really, this is about listening. It is asking good questions. Yeah. And good questions are super important, right, as it relates to the coaching experience. And so have you learned, 
Have you learned, like, not you have to give, you know, your bag of tricks away, but have you learned there are certain universal questions that are generally helpful when you're sitting with any coach or a client? Uh, yes. I mean, to start with, let me tell you what doesn't help. Closed-in questions. Okay. Questions that are yes or no answers or that yeah. they're giving you information. Because that doesn't lead to discovery. You don't need information. You need discovery. So open-ended questions where people have to think and move for something. For instance, another thing I've learned about questions is never ask the why question. Because mm. why always stimulates this a negative response of judgment that, okay, now you're questioning my, my own sense of judgment and you're challenging me at a different level than I, that I feel comfortable with. It's more like how or what. Mm. It's, the, it's the questions that lead more to discovery. In fact, most good coaches will have a process that they use in their coaching that could be, it, for most of uh, the clients, it's an invisible process, but it's a predictable one. Mm. Uh, now, let me make it visible for you. One of the most known processes in coaching that's universal um, was uh, was written about years ago, years ago, by a person who was coaching people in tennis, but not as a professional coach, tennis coach, but as a person who was helping them to discover in their coaching play what it was like to be aware of what was happening to them. And, um, and he came up with a simple model. It's called GROW, G-R-O-W. Now, every coach is going to have some kind of model of their conversation. So it's, remember I said it's an intentional series of conversations when I was defining this that's meant to help person move forward in their life. So intentionality means that I'm the questions are framed around certain areas that help you to move forward. So what's the G stand for? The G stands for goal. So if I'm going to coach some person, when they walk into the room, one of the things I'm going after is, hey, listen, by the time we're concluded today, what's your hope of a takeaway? What is it that you would like to see happen or resolved or dealt with? In other words, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where are they at? And oftentimes people will come with you with a sense of something that's going on, but they're not clear about it. So in the early part of looking with somebody at their coaching experience, you're trying to help them to define the outcome of that session. In other words, the goal of any session is not for me to tell you what you should come out with, but for me to discover what it is that you are longing for, even if it's unclear, how can I clarify for you? How can you own that part of our conversation? And then our conversation becomes targeted on that outcome. So coaches don't set the agenda. Coaches or the clients always set the agenda. So if I'm being coached by somebody, I get to come in saying, here's what I really want to deal with. Now, oftentimes when I'm dealing with something, I'll deal with people and they'll say something of a, a side remark. And I'll go, I'm just wondering if you just said that on the side as if it was a, a throwaway. But I'm wondering, is that something? You know, you listed about two or three things you thought would be important. And we're not going to be able to get all of those today. Which one of those three do you think would be the most important for us to deal with today? So mm. there's the G. You get the goal down, right? Mm. The R stands for reality. Okay. This is the discovery process of what's going on here. How, how much are they aware of what their situation is? Uh, do they know the internal, external realities they're facing? Uh, you know, in other words, how mindful are they? How much have they thought about this? Other than they're just stuck, how have they thought about their stuckness? You know, that kind of thing. So the R is where you start 
to move in a very important conversation of discovery of what's really going on here. Uh, oftentimes people will come with a predisposition of, oh, this is a problem. I just need some advice about that. And then they discover, uh, some will discover, for instance, that the problem isn't external to them. The problem is actually internal to them. And now that redefines their whole reality. Now their original goal of, I need to, I need to know how to deal with a, my boss who's just, he's, he's driving me nuts, he's micromanaging me and all this stuff. And then we start coming into another side of it where we discover in, there's an internal thing going on of, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who always wants to ruffle the feathers. I don't know how to get along with anybody else except have it my way or the highway. Or I'm so insecure, I surrender to him all the time and I don't know how to hold my space. In other words, then you discover what the real issue is. And it is more important to deal with that reality. And so that's what the reality is. You start to see what it is. The O stands for options. So every situation has multiple options in how to respond. And this is where a good coach doesn't offer those options. He elicits them. He pulls them out of the person before you. Okay, so I'm dealing with a college kid right now who's not knowing what to do with finishing his junior senior year. And he was, I was asking him questions, said, uh, can you tell me where you're at in, in your educational process? He says, well, I'm down between these two things. And he had two different choices. And I said, uh, I said, oh, well, that's really positive, you, you know, because there's lots of options after you've got your general ed out and you've, you've had a heart for a lot of different things. Now you've got these two options. I said, what would help you make a decision between these two, two options? What are the, what's the kind of information you might need or what's the kind of process you would need to help make that decision? So now I'm, what I'm doing is I'm getting them to think about what they need to do. So I'm not taking on the, I mean, I could have a, I could put a list of six things. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to make that decision, how to make a decision in six easy steps, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But here's what I've discovered. If I give you advice, that's good advice. I get the credit, but if I give you advice and it doesn't work, I get the blame. Mm. And what's happened in all of that is the person is not taking responsibility for their life. Yeah. They, their success is based on what you gave them or their failure is based on what you gave them. Yeah. But they're not responsible. They're not taking responsibility. They just want somebody to tell them what to do and that's not the way to live. Yeah. And so helping a person to discover the options and then walking through a process of defining which options are realistic. How do I set up maybe... Uh, a smart goal around that, all that kind of stuff. So uh, options are where you you just kind of open yourself up. You kind of go blue sky in yourself a little bit. And then you get down to reality and you get down to the, you know, the ones that look the most real to you. And then you decide, what's the W? What are you going to do? So you never want to leave a coaching appointment without some kind of action. I'm taking action on this. I, there's a next step I've got here. And it's no longer, my next step is to worry about it some more. Mm-hmm. My next step is to complain some more. My next step is to say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. No, the next step is this. I take responsibility. I'm taking that action. And the cool thing about that is if they've discovered an option that they think is good, the likelihood of them implementing it, it goes off the scale. If you tell somebody an option, it's, you know, we'll see if it works or not. But if they discover that answer, 
the likelihood of implementing it is huge. And here, the other thing, though, is a good coach will do is, and if the option doesn't work, it still is a way forward. Because then you get to evaluate that option. You get to discover what you learned in that process. And you've learned something now that will help you as you're going forward. Hmm. So, see, that's that's a simple process. There's other ones uh, that are out there. A lot of them use acronyms because it's easy to remember. Sure. But the point is, you asked me early on, what kind of questions do you ask? Well, the questions you ask are related to where you're at in the process with the person that's in front of you. But the questions are always curious. Yeah. I, I have one question I ask, and I, I'll give it away now here, and, and somebody who'll coach with me will know when's he going to ask this question. <laughs> I'll ask somebody a question about something. They say, well, and you know, you'll be asking for some insight. This is, I just don't know. And I said, well, give it a little bit more thought. I still don't know. And then I usually ask this question. Well, if you did know, what would it be? And it's surprising how many answers they come up with. Sure. If you did know, right. what would the answer be? Right. It, it, and basically, you're just you're giving them permission to talk out loud like they're talking inside that it's okay to offer your best perception of reality. Let me help you pull that out of you. And uh, so good questions are a part of it. Now, you, you want to go back to talking about other things you've learned about just what I picked up on? Uh, is is this is the second thing I want to go back to the an earlier earlier question? <laughs> okay. You said, "What have I learned?" My mm-hmm. coach. Well, I, here's the biggest thing is is that it not only frees me up, but it helps me to understand that advice giving is probably the least helpful. We talked about that just a minute ago, but I want to emphasize that everybody should tame their advice monsters. Mm. And to show you how uh, equal opportunity coaching can be. I've discovered that as my children have grown older, I don't give advice. I now coach my adult children. Uh, it's a different story. When they were younger, I said, you know, here's my advice. Don't run out in the street without looking. <laughs> okay, And that's a mandate. You know, so I'm going to give you advice on school. I think this is a better topic for you. I've seen your life. I've been watching you in ways you don't watch yourself. So let me help you think through this kind of thing. So as a parent, you give a lot of advice. And I'm not saying that's wrong at all. But as you, as a, a person grows and matures, I remember when my daughter would call me and say, hey, Dad, I'm looking at buying this car. What do you think? And I heard her husband in the background says, you don't have to call your dad when we're asking about buying a new car. And it was a, it was a really fun moment. But, but I knew that she didn't need my advice. If she wanted advice, her and her husband could work on that. What I did was just ask a few questions about how you could process this together and come to a good understanding. Now, here's the, the real cool thing is I'm not only a parent, I'm a grandfather. Mm-hmm. And when I'm working with my grandchildren, particularly as they've gotten older, uh, one of my grandkids ca- calls me the Yoda grandpa. He says, you always got this wise counsel, Grandpa. and But the wise counsel he says I have is actually I just ask them questions. Right. He said, so what are, what are you learning from this experience? How is this making you a better person from what you're going through? Uh, and, and, I, and so that's been a huge discovery is that taming the advice monster leads to so much discovery and grace on the other end of the, yeah. the storyline. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Who doesn't have a 
that monster living within them, I'm sure all of us battle with not wanting to just offer the advice to help people move on from whatever they're experiencing. But a lot of what you're saying, you're really just trying to help people stay accountable to their own life, to wake up to their own life and discover the truth that's already there within the life that they're experiencing. And, yeah. and, the, and good questions and obviously helps with that, right? For for people to tend to uh, to tend to their life, to once right. again be present to it, and and to live mindfully in the here and now, and 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 take responsibility for what yeah. is possible. Well, now, when you say it that way, you know, there's all sorts of skill sets that come to play in there as well, or other um, points of human care mm -hmm. counseling, sure, which is kind of really most counseling until recently, positive psychology and, uh, and counseling that is more built on flourishing life, which is a different approach. Uh, most counseling though, is going back to things that have sure, and uh, history and mystery and things yeah. that have goofed you up in the past. Yeah, and you're yeah. still living with a residue of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, see, we would share skills and asking good questions and listening, but a coach rarely goes back into the past. Right, right. The coach is always talking about how do we move forward into the future. So this is a very more pragmatic approach to, if anything, I would say the part of psychology that has to do with human flourishing is is a very thoughtful resource for coaches. Yeah. Because it's saying that there is already something good. There is the Imago Dei in a person, and you're calling out something that is present in them, saying, how can we make that flourish? So instead of focusing on what's broken in you, let's focus on what's succeeding in you and how you can move forward with that as a strength in your life. And uh, it's different from spiritual uh, direction, for instance. Spiritual direction the, the biggest difference there, once again, good questions sometimes are asked, the thoughtful listening. But who are you listening to? Right. As a coach, I'm listening to the client. As a spiritual director, I'm listening to God. Right. We are together listening to God for what he is saying. And as a Christian coach or Christian who coaches, I should say that. I don't think there's Christian coaching. I think there's more like I am a Christian who happens to do coaching. Is that as a, as a Christian who does coaching, I am also listening to the Holy Spirit. But the primary difference is... The client is the expert in this. They're the expert of their life. They don't know it sometimes, but they are. And so then you get into all the playground of other things like mindfulness, paying attention, uh, uh, being aware, uh, being present in the moment with yourself. Uh, you're not listening to your hair grow. You know, it's not that kind of presence. It's it's, but it's it's an awareness that life is happening. I can pay attention to it and. And by paying attention, and a good coach helps you to get really good attention on your life so you can cooperate with what God is doing in you and what life is bringing you and how you can all leverage all of that to move into the future that you were you were meant to have. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Let me let me change this change the conversation just a little bit. I I, I want to talk about the the coach in particular. From your experience, how important is the inner life and the workings of a coach? Well, you know, uh, as a Christian who coaches. Because I depend a lot on the work of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and that client's own commitment to God in that journey. Uh, let's say internally I'm going off the rails somehow in my own spiritual life. Well, as a Christian coaching, I'm, I'm going to bring a very conflicted self to that situation. And so internally, I, 
I'm not, I'm going to create problems for the client because I have to pretend I'm not me for this hour that we're together. And I can't, I'm, and, and the voices are going to be muddled in my head. Now, having said that, um, because coaching really has to do with a set of skills and tools, uh, you can be a good coach and be off and lost your moral compass in many ways. You can be a good doctor and not be faithful in your marriage. You know, you can be good at whatever profession. I mean, you could be the president of the United States, okay, and have really public issues. And so there, for some, there, there's this separation. I think the most healthy humans are those who live integrated lives who realize the interior is essential to a more pure flow of your life in serving whatever's in front of you or whoever might be uh, is given to you. Now, even the, uh, the, the most certified, uh, you know, like International Coaching Federation is the largest certifying base, credible certifying base in the world, okay? And they have ethical standards. And those ethical standards are very, very clear. And if you violate those, that that's internal stuff. See, if I'm going to, if I'm if I'm going to not hold confidence, boy, that's a problem. That means you could lose your certification if there's a complaint against you. In other words, there your your motivation for the client. Um, you know, it the, the sad thing I'll say often in a lot of professions that are new, like coaching professions. There's so many life coaches, and and that they call themselves life coaches because they lived a life. Uh, but life coaches, the, the, in fact, let me take the word life off coach because life coaching is a niche. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it has more to do, almost to do with marketing than it has to do with reality because all of coaching, when I told you earlier what a coach does, well, that's good for anything, whether you're a coaching executive whether you're coaching a leader or whether you're coaching a teacher or a hospital person, whatever, whoever's being coached, those things I listed earlier about, we, we don't talk, we listen, uh, you know, we're, we're not giving information, we're asking good questions, all that kind of, those are skill sets that are applied. The, the niche life coaching, for one, has to do with a particular toolkit that you bring along to that mindset. Mm that you bring along to that skill set of listening, asking good questions and eliciting feedback. So you that toolkit then becomes particular to how you would notice it, like it's this life coaching or this is wellness coaching, et cetera, that you are bringing a set of skills to it uh, that are important. But going back to your question is that if internally something is wrong and you're not being ethical with a person before you. And I, and I didn't finish the sentence, so now it's coming back to me. It's those five decades of learning. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff up there that I got to get around to get the thought out, right? I said all that to say this, is that <clears throat> as often happens in new discoveries that are making a difference in people's lives, people get ahead of it and become, oh, this is my new vocation. This is I'm going to market this. I'm going to go after this. And it, and and how many books have I seen on how to make money as a life coach or how to generate six-figure income as a life coach? And I think all of that stuff is, I mean, if it's your profession. So it's just like any other profession. You want to be good at it. You want to grow your profession, et cetera. But there's a line between growing your profession and manipulating that 
what you're meant to serve in another to benefit yourself at their expense. And, and if you're a good coach, it's not going to be at their expense. It's that you're going to really, they're going to have a good investment. But the interior life of a coach, Christian or non-Christian, is essential in terms of the client being well-served. Right. So the honoring of their humanity, their dignity, uh, respecting them and their conversations, valuing who they are in terms of what they bring to the table. If these, if this mindset is not truly inside of you, then you're not going to be a good coach. Uh, you may use the coaching term, but you'll be you'll be probably doing some kind of mentoring, which is nothing's wrong with that. But if that's not what coaching is properly. So I think, yeah, the internal life is absolutely essential. And maybe one way to do that really well, to keep your internal life well, there's three things I would say. Number one, keep being coached yourself. Hmm. In other words, coaching is this interesting thing where some, I have had had clients that have gone on for quite some time. For instance, if I have an entrepreneur, church planner, something like that, the coaching can last a couple of years because we're actually going through a process of discovery of all the different facets he's got to come to grips with as a leader of that kind of an organization. And then the challenges that arise and the, the, just the, the need for companionship in, in, this, in that kind of situation. And, uh, and so those early stages need a lot of accompaniment. But then there are other people who will call me and say, I got this particular issue. I need to process with somebody. And so anywhere can be anywhere from one to maybe six sessions, and we're done. Um, so when you're, when you're coaching people, uh, and if you want to stay integrous to the process, get coached. So uh, I don't have a long-term coach, but I have long-term friendships with colleagues that we coach each other. Mm. We get into these conversations. You know, I meet with a, a group of guys every quarter who have similar gifts, skills, and ministries. And so we just share about what we're learning and talking about it. And inevitably, in that session, we coach each other. And it's because it's, it's natural. So as we start talking, our natural default is we don't give advice to each other. We start asking questions to pull it out. So if you want to stay integrous, you ex- continue to experience yourself. Like if you're a spiritual director, you should be getting spiritual direction. If you're a pastor, you need a pastor, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the second thing is if you're part of a, a formal coaching discipline like it, and a part of being certified, like, for instance, with ICF, then you're required to take 40 units of training on uh, every year. I've got to take training. I have to continue to improve my capacity and the skills that are emerging and the understanding. But that's even how the human brain we have understood all of a sudden became elastic and not concrete and that it was still flexible and it, it could still move and bend. You could teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. Well, that becomes important. Uh, some of the things out of, uh, like I said earlier, positive psychology, and those things become helpful insights into working with uh, in human behavior and how people work. So to internally stay right, you've got to be in this place where you are receiving what you're giving. You want to go deeper, never figuring that I've figured it all out that you're always, you know, you don't want a doctor who knows the medicine that was good 10 years ago. You want the newest application of medicine that's discovered that has less side effects and is more useful and less conflicts with other medicines. So we would want that to coach somebody who's improving themselves. And then 
And so I think internally, just in terms of how you live your life, how you care for your own soul and your own humanity is essential to caring for the client well. We, we always bring our wounded self into a healing moment, but we don't have to bring all of our wounds with us into that healing moment. But we, we bring our unfinished self and helping people, but because we're committed to the journey, that's a big part of it. And the ways to do that are staying accountable to others, being coached, and and requiring yourself to keep growing and not having arrived. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Continue to do the inner work is essential if you're going to walk alongside others um, and to keep that in inner work integrous uh, so that you are uh, being um, somebody that is trustworthy with those that you're walking alongside. Um, is there some, is there, if there's someone listening today and is interested in becoming a coach, we'll wrap it up kind of with this question. And if there's, if they're, if they're interested in being a coach, how would you direct them? What would you offer them? How would you encourage them to begin on that path? Well, first of all, I would say everybody should get interested in coaching. <laughs> okay. We should all get infected with the desire to learn the basic skills of what coaching is because it's it's good in every situation, parenting, education, in business. If you're a, you're a leader of other people or you care for other people, this is, you have a lot of tools in your toolkit, but coaching should be one of those. Mm. So at the very, very bare minimum, I would say you should probably get yourself oriented to what coaching means. Now, this is a simple orientation, this podcast. It maybe it's people like, oh, I didn't know coaching was that and how it was different. But uh, I would probably take another step where you might get oriented towards uh, a better orientation. Like there, there's so many places online you can go to. I know of one called Creative Results Management, uh, a guy named Keith Webb, great gifted author in the area of coaching. He does 90-minute uh, workshops uh, almost every month where he can say, hey, I'll take you through a workshop for 90 minutes and let you experience in coaching firsthand. And then uh, if this is something that really piques your interest, here's another way to go about it. <clears throat> so I think sometimes you have to get oriented to it. Uh, and I, there's one read I recommend to everybody. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose his name, but Michael, oh, he's from Australia, and I know his first name is Michael. But the book is called The Coaching Habit. Coach Habit, Coaching Habit. And the whole book is based around seven questions. It's, it's one of the best books anybody could read. And uh, I'll make sure I get that information to you. Maybe you can link it to the podcast. But this, uh, this book is the kind of thing when people ask me, say, well, I, what, I'm not sure. Hey, read this book. Then we'll talk some more. Mm. Uh, that one book will just get your juices rolling like, okay. It's, as a coach, it's the book. I love to read and wish I could have written, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this, and it's a bestseller, you know, these things out there everywhere, everybody's using it. So that's a good read. The, the other thing though, is if you get serious about coaching, you need to get coached. It's like anything else, experience it, you know, just go shadow it, but as it were, I'm going to, I'm going to go get coached. There's what, what, what issue are you dealing with in your life that you would like to see a breakthrough in? Well, Discover a coach who might be able to help you with that, and uh, and and somebody who could say, if I experience this firsthand, I'm going to get a sense of what this could really be like. 
in some businesses, there's a lot of people listening to us who might be in, in jobs that actually offer coaching in their program, but have never taken advantage of it. Oh, my goodness. Go take advantage of the free coaching your business would want to offer you. Don't see that as a failure. See that as a, a plus sign. Because anybody who's getting coached in a system I have, I know there are people who are taking seriously their growth thing. Uh, and then the third thing is, then I would say, if it continues to grow in interest to you, and you say, this could really be helpful, I feel kind of a certain draw towards that. You know, I, I, I did a workshop for your your team at one place where we talked about coaching and one of the individuals it really connected with them and it became something that they really felt a calling to well i helped direct them to a training program that was certified by icf that would equip them to be able to be trained and move towards their own certification so now they can become and they are on the pathway of becoming their own professional coach and you might even hear from them in a future podcast i'm sure but that's the journey. You become aware of its potential. You experience it firsthand. Maybe even get a good read in there. But eventually, if you really want to get into coaching, get serious about the training that gives you the mindset, the skill sets, and the toolkit you'll need to serve people well. Mm. That is fantastic. I think that's a great way to put a period on this podcast. I just, Dennis, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Art of Walking With You podcast. I know this is going to be helpful for anybody that hears today in whatever environment they lead or guide others along and and um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, do you, do you have do you have an Instagram? What how do you communicate to the masses? Yeah, well, um, I guess the Instagram would be it. Yeah, it? yeah. So it's Doctor DWE. Doctor DWE. That's it, Doctor DWE. All right, all yeah. right. I was going to go with Doctor D, but then everybody think I was doing rap music, so it's just Doctor DWE. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. If you want to follow along with the rapper coach. Dr. DWE, <laughs> go ahead and, and find him on Instagram. Uh, at alongsiders.com, we are here to walk alongside you, not in front of you or behind you, but beside you. And we are here to listen to your life and help where we can. Alongsiders.com refers trained and certified coaches, counselors, and spiritual companions and directors to walk with you in and through the seasons of your life. And you can learn more about that at alongsiders.com. And by the way, if you're interested in joining the alongsiders.com team as a trained and verified coach, counselor, spiritual companion, director, please reach out. Would love, would love to hear from you. Um, and hey, please subscribe to this podcast and let other people know about it. And uh, we look forward to bringing you another episode soon. You guys take care and we'll uh, talk soon.